Wow, what a powerful, powerful time of worship this morning. I just got back from our East Lake campus and God moved in such a strong way over there. But I want to go back to the Word of God in Jeremiah 29, verse 11. We've been talking about first things and knowing that God sets aside that which we put first to be a seed for our future. And when you realize, as I told you last week, that this book right here is the word and the plan and the roadmap for you and I as a people and for the kingdom of God in the earth. But in both covenants, an old covenant and a new covenant, which either is incomplete without the other. The Bible said he started the first one in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, somebody say, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In John chapter 1, verse 1, he begins a new covenant like this. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And when you realize that he starts an old covenant and a new covenant the same way, he begins the original plan and that the New Testament that would complete and fulfill the Word of God that was started. He told the enemy in Genesis chapter Three, he said, there is coming one that is going to destroy you. There is coming one, and when he arrives talking about Jesus, he will deal you a fatal blow. And he told the people of God that the road map that would lead them would be a purpose and a plan directed by the Father. And the Bible tells us that God interrupts his people in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, and tells them that he does not just have a plan for the body of Christ and for the people of God, but he has an intentional plan for them. And in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, he says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. It's one thing to know you have a future. It's another to realize there is hope in that future. It's one thing to know that tomorrow will come, but when you believe that your best is in your tomorrow, something rises in you. There's one thing to know that God has a plan, but when you realize that it's a plan of prosperity, it's a plan of purpose, it's a plan of protection, it's a plan that has an expected end. Something rises in you as the believer. He said, matter of fact, Jeremiah, it's so intentional that before you were ever in your mother's womb, I knew you. I knew who you were, where you're going, what you would accomplish. I ordained you to be a prophet to the nation. Jeremiah stepped back and said, are you talking to me? I'm just a young man. And God would say, if you only knew the potential in you, if you only knew the purpose I had for you, don't say that. Don't talk about yourself that way. Don't despise the day of small beginning because there is something greater than you even know. There are some of you in this room today, God's got an intentional plan, then you don't even realize it. Your self-esteem, your spiritual self-esteem is low. You are broken because of what you have been through. And you get up and you look in the mirror and all you see is the past broken pieces. But when God sees you, he sees a new creature. When God sees you, he sees old things passed away and all things that have been made new. Some of you need to get up in the morning, look in the mirror and remind yourself that you are a child of God. When I looked in the mirror last week, I realized I needed to lose some weight. I'm a child of God and there's more of me right now. 
So I set out to lose some weight, went to Carabas last night. And I'm telling you, all I could eat was salad. But on the right and on the left of me, there was pasta and pizza. I said, get thee behind me, Satan. And I won't say who, but then I looked over in the car and somebody was eating peanut M&M's. Temptation on every side, but I still know that I am a child of God. I still know that I'm called according to God's purpose. I still know that God has a plan for my life. And some of you need to realize that God's got a great plan for your life. And God says, if you will set aside this time and you will place me at the beginning of your life, in the beginning of your year, and at the beginning of your day, in the beginning of your week, he said, I will order that which is to come. We find, I told you last week, there are four areas of our life that we need to steward well. First of all, our time. Somebody say our time. You cannot redeem your time. Once it's gone, it's gone. It's gone. Not only your time, but your talent. Look at your neighbor and say, you've got talent. Not just America, but you've got talent. And the good thing is you don't need Howard Stern to tell you. You don't need a panel of three judges. God has told you that. You have talent. You have giftings in your life. Not just talent, but your treasure. You need to put God first in your treasure. If you're not a tither, now listen to me. If you're not a tither and you're not giving God the first 10%, you are not aligning yourself with God's purpose and blessing in your life. You say, well, pastor, it's hard hard to navigate with what I do have. I'm telling you, if you will give God the first, he will redeem the 90%. And he will use it in greater ways than you have ever known. He will press it down, shake it together, and cause it to run over. Matter of fact, he said, if you would be faithful in your tithing, two things would happen. He would rebuke the devourer for your sake. That's some of your problem right now. You have the whole 100%, and you're trying to do it on your own, and the devourer is getting to it. He said, I will stay the devourer from the... 90 but he said then I father God will unlock windows in the heavens hands a natural hand cannot unlock hands a natural hand cannot maneuver through I will unlock windows in the heavens on your behalf but then he says not only your treasure what you have to realize is your treasure is connected to your heart I I meet people all the time and I can tell you many times their spiritual condition because of their heart condition where are their treasures what is their treasure But then he said, your testimony. Some of you need to steward your testimony better. You're afraid to tell people what you've been through. But what you went through last year may be somebody's breakthrough next year. What you battled in the last season may help somebody through the next season. What you had to endure two years ago or five years ago or the things that you don't want to admit to or you try to shy away from those broken, scarred places in your life. It may be what someone else needs to catapult out of the mess they're in. You need to become a good steward of your testimony. That doesn't mean you need to tell everybody your business. That doesn't mean you need to tell. But there are some folks you can snuggle up to at work and say, you know what, I know you're walking through a battle right now. I know you're walking through hell right now, but I want you to know I was once there. I was once on the verge of a nervous breakdown. I was once on the verge of bankruptcy. I was once, uh, my marriage was a wreck. My relationships were a disaster, but God invaded my world and he brought me through. And if you understood what he can do in your life, there are some of you, as the book of Revelation says, you're going to be made an overcomer, not only by the blood of the lamb, but by the word of your testimony. Your testimony is going to stop the enemy enemy from working in your life this year because he knows that he couldn't get to you last year and the minute you own it and take authority over it, he will establish himself and God will be glorified. 
But the Bible tells us three things that happened. I'm trying to recap some of last week because we're going to use that as a launching pad. Three things that God told Abraham as he encountered him and he as he encountered this man named Abram that he would breathe upon and become Abraham. He said, three things are going to happen. He said, first, I'm going to elevate you. Somebody say elevation. elevation. You need to believe that God is going to elevate you this year. Then he said, I'm going to allow you to have the spirit of possession. You're going to repossess what the enemy has stole, and you're going to possess what you've never had. Two things. You're going to repossess. Some of you need to re- repossess something. Because if all you do is possess new things, but you don't have hold of what God has already established in your life, you will be incomplete. But once you take hold of what the enemy has stolen, and then you begin to reach by faith into new places, believing that God is doing new things in your life. He said, you're going to have the spirit of possession. But then I'm going to give you dominion, just as I did Adam and Eve. And those that bless you, I will bless. Those that you curse, I will defeat. I'm going to give you dominion in the earth. And God said in Galatians that now because of Christ, we have the blessing of Abraham in our life. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, this is what the Bible declares. We now have the light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not ourselves. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not ourselves. Your Bible may say that you're a treasure in earthen vessels. So, so a problem for some of you, the treasure is still buried. It's still in the dirt of your life. It's still in the soil of who you are and you've not discovered it. But there are some things you have to understand. First, you have to realize you are a gift. Somebody say, I am a gift. Look at your neighbor and say, you are a gift. Some of you don't realize you are a gift because your wrapping does not look good. They're going to put it on the screen. There you are. You are a gift. Because your wrapping does not indicated. Anybody ever received uh, a present from somebody and the gift inside was much more valuable than the wrapping on the outside? We played this crazy game with our staff and we had about 30 people at lunch one day and I'm telling you this group gets ruthless. We exchange all these crazy gifts and they're not expensive gifts but if you are first you get a gift and then the next person can either go get a gift or they can take your gift. And I'm telling you, we had younger people taking older people's gifts. <laughs> Pastor Molly, she was snatching up gifts right and left. I'm telling you, these guys are ruthless. But I, I, I marveled as they all went to the table to pick. They all looked at the wrapping to decide the gift they, they would pick. Because they looked at the wrapping. You can always indicate the gift by the wrapping. Jesus came, was wrapped in swaddling clothes, but he was the king of glory. He was laid in a manger, but he was the king of glory. What you saw on the outside did not indicate what was on the inside. And some of you are a gift. You just can't tell because of the wrapping. You don't see it when you look in the mirror. But not only you are a gift, you have a gift. There's a gift in your life. And if you ever discover the gift in you, and you ever discover why God has put you in the earth. Jeremiah, you're a prophet. No, not me. Yes, you. You are a prophet to the nation. I'm going to allow you to build up and pull down and declare to the people of God. If you ever discover why you're here, if you ever discover why you're in the earth, if you ever discover why God has purposed you for such a time as this, and you ever get a hold of the gift, not only are you a gift, you have a gift. That's why you're here. I'm so glad that we don't all have the same gifts. 
I love diversity. That's what I love about City Life Church. How many of you realize this isn't everywhere? What you see around here is not what happens everywhere on a Sunday morning. And if we ever have needed to celebrate diversity, it's right now. I love when I walk in this building and I look around. This is Martin Luther King weekend where we celebrate a man that had a dream that we could worship like this. But too many places are still segregated on Sunday mornings. Sunday mornings are one of the most segregated times in America. But God chose to bring diversity to this house and I celebrate that. I love the kingdom. I'm glad your gift is not like my gift. It would get boring if we were all the same. We would be unproductive if our gifts were all the same because it takes many parts to fulfill God's assignment, especially in a church like this. God takes all of our gifts. I tell people all the time, the kingdom's kind of like 31 flavors, something for everybody. You know, you got vanilla and chocolate and sherbet, rainbow sherbet, Rocky Road, a few marshmallows, a few nuts. You got it all, you know. You got milkshakes and sundaes and... Some people have two scoops and three scoops. (laughs) Hey, there's something for everybody. But what you have to realize, just because you're different does not mean you do not have a gift. You have a gift in your life. You have to discover that gift. But what you have to realize is this, your gift will make room for you. The Bible tells me in the book of Proverbs chapter 18, verse 16, a man's gift makes room for him, or a woman's gift makes room for her, and brings them before great men. What you have to realize, if you ever discover your gift, your gift will make room for you. You don't have to manipulate to get ahead. You don't have to try to position yourself to get ahead. You don't have to strategize to try to get out in front of everybody else. The gift in your life. We have people in this room right now that God is transitioning to other ministries. Why? Because their gift made room for them. Their gift reassigned them. And what you have to realize is the gift in your life, when discovered and when stewarded well, it will make room for you. You don't have to worry. You don't have to fret at the right time in the right season. God will align you with what he's doing in your life and your gift will begin to make room. And not only will it give you favor with man, but it will give you favor with God, the Bible declares. And when you have joint favor, favor in the heavens and favor on the earth, supernatural things begin to happen. Your gift will make room for you. But never forget this. You're not the source of your gift. Your gift did not come from you. Your gift did not develop in your own mind. Your gift was a gift from the great giver above. Your gift was the one that created the heavens and the earth. He said, Jeremiah, I know who you are. Don't let anybody else ever tell you any different. I, Father God, Lord Jehovah, Elohim, I created you. And when I created you, I created you with the gift. And if you ever want walk in the fullness of it, you will change the world. There are world changers in this building. I'm going to say it again. There are world changers in this building, but you've got to get a hold of the gift in your life. You've got to find out why you're here. You're in Tampa, Florida, not just a mark time or mark space, but you're here on purpose for purpose. There is a reason you are in this room today. There's a reason you're in this city today. There's a reason you're in the earth today because you have a gift and your gift will build a platform and begin to make room. But you're not the source. I'm not the source. Matter of fact, the Bible said, if we will stay humble, God will exalt our gift. But what you have to realize, pride is the root of all failure. It's not sin. It's pride. Because you can sin. I can sin. We all sin. Matter of fact, if there's anybody sinless in this room, come take the mic right now. You can do much better than I can do. 
We are human. We deal with humanity. It was one man that was perfect and sinless, and they crucified him. And he died so that you could live a life of authority. We all have sin in our life. But your sin is not the reason you fail. It's the pride in your life that keeps you from submitting to God. Because he said when you submit to God, you can resist the enemy and he will have to flee. The Bible says that when we ask forgiveness, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. It's the pride in our life that causes failure, not the sin in our life. It's when we exalt ourselves thinking that we can do it on our own and make it by ourselves. And each one in this room, that's why I love City Life. This is a room full of people that came with all type of baggage. We have people that came from all walks of life. We have people that have been in church their whole life, but people that just strolled in and they brought a lot of junk in their trunk with them. They brought a lot of stuff with them. And they would come here and say, Lord, I need your help. I will never make it without you. This is a room full of people that have been through a battle, been through a fight, but they are here today. Anybody glad you made it? Come on. Anybody glad you made it? Anybody glad you're still here to worship? Anybody glad you know that if it had not been for God on your side, where would you be? The gift is not your, you are not the source of your gift. But the realization is this, you have to use your gift. You have to use your gift. If you do not use your gift, the gift will begin to die. It will become dormant. It will get dusty. It will not be sharp. It will not be precision and ready for what God has for your life. If you do not use your gift, if you know your gift, it's one thing to have never discovered who you are and what your giftings are. But if you're in this room and you know how God has gifted you, If you're a singer, you need to sing. If you're a teacher, you need to teach. If you're an usher, you need to ush. If you're a greeter, you need to greet. If you are called to work with children, you need to work with children. Now, if you don't like children, don't go work with children. (laughs) You're called to drive a golf cart? Drive a golf cart. You don't have a license? Don't go drive a golf cart. (laughs) But whatever your gift is, it will make room for you, but you have to use your gift. But then there comes a time, once you've been in ministry for a while and you know your gift, there comes a time in your life you have to begin to stir the gift because the gift gets tired and the gift gets weary. There was a season I walked through uh, just not long ago that my gifts were tired and I was tired, but there had to come a point where no one could do it for me. I had to begin to stir the gift in my life and realize that I am here for a purpose and realize that God had ordained this season and it was connected to a future and a hope. I had a hope that God was going to work some things out and take me into a greater season and I'll tell you something happened about the end of this year. I felt a fresh breath on this house. I felt a fresh breath in this room. I felt a fresh breath on this house and on my life and what you have to understand is Paul told the young man named Timothy that he was raising up a young lad that he was mentoring from a prison cell he begins to write to him he said Timothy I want you to begin to stir the gifts in your life which is in you I know it's there because I laid my hands on you but I want you to realize God is not given verse 7 God has not given you the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a right mind he said Paul I, Timothy I can't be there right now but I want to encourage you to begin to stir the gift in your life I know it's there because I laid my hands on you and when I laid my hands on you. I felt it in my spirit. I knew that you're called. You're 
going to do greater things than I've done. But I want you to realize this time of separation, this time of weariness, it will snatch the gift out of your life. But you've not been given a spirit of fear. Do not let fear rob you of the gift of your life. But you have power. You have the love of God. And you've been given a right mind. There's some of you, fear has tried to snatch the gift because the enemy has come in. And he brought things into your world you did not see coming. But friend, you're greater than the last season. You're greater than the last mistake. You're greater than the last mess up. Matter of fact, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Some of you need to begin to stir the gift of God in your life. I can preach it, but I can't do it for you. The singers can't sing it. But you have to make up your mind. The gift in my life is worth standing for. The calling on my life is worth standing for. My family is worth standing for. So I stir the gift that is in my life. I stir the faith that is in my life. Somebody say, stir it up. Matter of fact, look at your neighbor and say, stir it up. Some of you need to get up tomorrow morning and just go to work, riding down to work. Get in the cubicle. Get out on the construction site. Hammering with one hand, stirring with the other. When you're feeling down, give yourself an outward reminder of what God's doing inwardly in you. If you get real adventurous, You may take off like a helicopter. I don't know. (laughs) You may just launch out of this room. I don't know. You have to stir it up. We talked about Abraham last week. And in the book of Exodus, God visits Moses. And this is what God tells Moses. We don't have time to go there this morning. But this is what God tells Moses in chapter 6. He said, Moses... He says, just as I was with Abraham, so will I be with you. I'm going to deliver you with an outstretched arm, and just as I swore an oath to Abraham, I'm going to swear an oath to you. We're not going to go through the scriptures this morning. But this is what the Bible said. The Bible said in Genesis that God never tells us that he is swearing an oath to Abraham. We see Abraham raising his hand and swearing an oath to God. What you have to realize is this. Abraham raised his hand and swore an oath and God breathed on him and he became that, that one that caught the breath of God. And the Bible says as they begin to journey, God began to do marvelous and miraculous things. God speaks to Moses and said, just as I swore an oath to Abraham, just as I lifted my hand to Abraham, so will I lift my hand to you. And the Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 17, verse 11, as long as Moses Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. Here it is. As long as Moses had his hands in the air, there was victory. The Bible said he lifted his hand, the Red Seas began to part. The Bible said he lifted his hand and victory was in the camp. The minute that his hands began to come down, You guys come help me for just a minute. They begin to figure this out. The Bible said they begin to put rocks under Moses' arms. Because his arms go up, they were winning. When his arms would come down, they would get tired, they would get weary. The gift would get weary. His arms would come down. 
And they realized as long as Moses' hands were in there, we're victorious. But watch what happens. Finally, he surrounds himself with the right people. It's important for you to surround yourself with the right people. It's important for you to have people of partnership in your life. The Bible said they began to lift Moses' arms. And the minute they lifted Moses' arms, victory was in the camp. Why was it so significant that they lift Moses' arms? Why was there victory when his hands were in the air? Why did Red Seas part when he lifted his staff? Because you have to get this picture. There was one on the other side of the veil. And the minute that Moses' hand went up, God's hand went up. And the minute that Moses began to rise, God began to rise. And the Bible tells me when, I, when God begins to rise, my enemies are scattered. And in your weariness, you will never walk in the fullness of God's victory for your life but when you really find out who you are you will not let the gifts go dormant you will not let them die or get weary but you will continually stir them because I know as long as I lift my hand there's another hand of covenant up and as long as that hand is up no weapon formed against me has the ability to prosper and all that rise against me have to fall so when I throw my hand up there's another hand that goes up when I open my mouth there's another mouth begins to open when I make a declaration there's another one making declaration on my behalf if God be for me who can be against me come on jump to your feet this morning put your hands together somebody say stir it up some of you have never discovered the gifts in your life but there's a gift Some of you have allowed the gifts to go dormant because you're tired and you're weary and you've stuck them on a shelf and they're getting dusty and dull. But God says in this 21 days, we're going to clean them off. We're going to resharpen them. I'm going to give some of you teachers a desire to teach. Some of you that are right, I'm getting ready to give you a new revelation and remind you of some of the things I've already given you. I'm going to give you a desire to sing. Awaken the gift in your life. I remember hearing a story about a little old country man in a little town in Texas. And this little country man, he was the sheriff of a little town. Matter of fact, the only employee in the whole sheriff's department, town of 300 people, just a little spot on a road in East Texas. There was only 3,000 people in the whole county. And truck drivers would blow by this little town on the highway. Now this old farmer that was elected sheriff, he didn't wear a sheriff's uniform. He wore an old cowboy hat, a pair of pointed toe cowboy boots, pair of weather jeans, a big belt buckle with a Texas star on it and a little badge and he would walk out there in the middle of the road when truckers were barreling through his little town he wouldn't have a cop car or sirens, he'd just stick out his hand and those truck drivers would bring those large semis to a screeching halt he'd pull them out, give them a ticket and send them on their way why did they stop? It wasn't because this old cowboy was standing out there with his hand in the air. It wasn't that they saw this old guy with the cowboy hat that intimidated them. No, they knew with that cowboy, there was a badge. 
And that badge had the authority of that local town. But not only did that badge have the authority of that local town, it had the authority of the state of Texas. And you know you don't mess with Texas. But not only did it have the authority of the state of Texas, it had the authority of the federal government that went all the way to the president of the United States that is the commander-in-chief over every armed force we possess. When you lift your hands, it's not just you. It's not just you out there in the middle of nowhere. It's not you by yourself. It's not just you, but all of heaven has your back. Not only are you surrounded by thousands of believers at City Life Church, there is the family of God. But more than the family of God, there's a heavenly host but more than a heavenly host there is the one named Jesus that was crucified rose on the third day and has all authority and all power and the minute you throw your hand in the air all heaven has your back and what you really need to realize in this next season you are not defeated you are not beat down your life may be a mess right now but God says I'm getting ready to anoint you and you're going to repossess what the enemy has stole I'm getting ready to take you to places you have never been and get ready there's a new level in your future there's an authority being released in your life 